listening to The Sociable Scribes, two professional writers who work hard, play hard, and love to have fun on the job. Word stylist Nikita Rowell-Stevens and publishing consultant Kim Ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients. Let's talk about writing, the good, the bad, and the awesome, while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you. If you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about writing and publishing and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim, two writers who love to socialize, the sociable scribes. So, Nikita, what's behind your curtain this week? Well, Kim, um, this has been a week of a lot of pivots and changes, which I feel a lot of people are going to do that anyway at this point. Oh, heck yeah. So, um, as you know, I'm in the middle of working on um, a really fun rom-com series. Yes. And um, I, I, I came into 2020 with very, very ambitious goals of um, cranking out um, 12 books. And I got a little bit of a late start. So what I'm finding myself doing at this point is um, kind of readjusting some of my, my schedule huh. to be able to um, meet those goals. And it's funny, this probably sounds crazy to most people because I'm still doing a lot, but I've had to scale back. I'm probably going to be, it looks like I'm going to be on track to publish eight books this year. Woohoo! Which, <laughs> which, when I said that to most people, and they're maybe like, oh my God, eight books, that's still a lot. But I'm four books shy of my goal. Sometimes you have to give yourself grace. Yes. Um, and um, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. Um, I definitely have the goal of being able of putting out multiple books in a short period of time because I want to build um, my backlist quickly. Uh-huh. Um, it's important when you're, you know, getting getting started and really kind of building as a new author. Um, but um, sometimes you just have to be you have to be realistic and you don't want to burn yourself out. And um, so. I've so made the decision um, that eight books is a very comfortable place for me to be based on where I am in my process right now. That'll take me all the way up to December. Um, I'm on track to write nine, but to publish eight. Awesome. So I think I should be um, pretty good for that, and I'm really excited about, you know, moving forward this series because it's super fun. So. Oh, my God. That is so awesome. And you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people would look at, your schedule and be like, holy cow, eight books. That's a ton. <laughs> but, but you haven't had a strategic plan all along and it's still dang good that what you're doing, you're just readjusting. And I think it's important for you to model this and show that it's important to give yourself grace as an author, because sometimes, you know, you, you, you want to have a quality product. You want to yeah. be able to, um, set up a schedule that's reasonable and doable, and um, yeah, so that's really important. So I'm very proud of you. Well, thank you, Kim. Well, what's behind your curtain? What do you have going on this week? Oh my gosh, it's been an exciting month. This past yes. month, I looked back and I have signed up four new clients. I'm like, holy shnikes! Yeah, I'm like, wowzers. And I'm so excited about these clients. They're amazing. They're writing about incredible topics. Um, oh, my God. I'm just so excited. So um, 
yeah, so it's been exciting. I had thought maybe with the pandemic going on, it's interesting because a lot of people said to me, oh, I bet a lot of people are going to say, oh, this is my time. Now I'm going to write the book I've always wanted to write and I never had a chance to. And um, it's interesting. Nobody has come up to me yet and said that. Like, I decided during the pandemic to write, but I suspect just as there will be pandemic babies nine months from now, there will be pandemic books coming out. That's that's my theory anyway. But um, but the people who reached out to me and signed up um, actually um, were people, I think, who were already wanting to do a book. And the timing just worked well for them, um, even even with all the corona crazy going on. So it was really, really cool to uh, to have these new people on board. Yay! That's awesome. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Thank you. So it's uh, it's been busy. And um, oh, and another thing I did, and this does not sound sexy, but I've created a uh, policies and procedures manual for Kiwi Publishing, <laughs> which is actually quite exciting because I'm writing down all the things that I do. So we have repeatable processes and that way um, I have an awesome intern and she's putting that together and that way she can follow what I do. Holy cow. (laughs) That's great. That's really great. You have a system. I have a system. Who'd have thought? (laughs) No, that's cool. Yay. Thank you. Appreciate that. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. So, Nikita, I am so excited about today's guest. Yes, me too. Um, so, um, Charles is probably two, one of both of our favorite people. Yes. Um, he um, He's just, um, I, I have to call him a marketing guru. Won't you agree? Oh, most definitely. Most he, definitely. He, he has an abundance of knowledge. It's always a joy anytime we get a chance to sit down and talk to him. He always brings so many amazing nuggets. Um, and I, I'm just so honored and thrilled that he is joining us today um, for for our podcast. Um, and I know you have some really a really great um uh, bio to share so that people can know a little bit more about George and what he brings to the table for. Absolutely. So let me let me sit up straight and put on my official okay. voice. Right. <laughs> Charles George is passionate about helping purpose-driven entrepreneurs create a lifestyle business by combining publishing with direct marketing. One of the fastest and most profitable ways to build an audience is through email. And uh, you can find him. Uh, his company is called Publish to Thrive. So welcome, Charles George. Thank you both for having me very much. I'm honored to be here. And it's always a pleasure to hang out with the two of you also. I always enjoy our conversations immensely. So thank Aww. you for allowing me to be here today. Thank you so much. The pleasure is ours. It's been so much fun having you here. 
So um, let's go ahead and get started. So today we are going to be talking about ways to promote and market a book. Yes. Awesome. Sounds like a fun topic. Let's I talk about it. I love it. it. Awesome. So go ahead and get us started. Um, when is the best time that people should start thinking about marketing their book? So most people think about marketing their book at the once they write their book. But often that's a little too late because now you have it. So what are we going to do with it? So the, the first thing you should do is actually start thinking about um, when you first start, before you even start writing your book, think about how are you going to market this? What's the purpose of this book? That's the main thing. And so if you identify the purpose of the book, then that can often lead you to um, how you're going to market it and where you're going to market it. But the first thing you think about is when you start thinking about the purposes, an easy way to do this is go to Facebook groups. Like if you oh. don't know if you don't know the purpose or if you don't know or if you have an idea of what the book is about, you can go to Facebook and start looking in groups and what are people talking about? What are some of the problems that people are having? This is for a nonfiction book. Fiction book's a little bit different if mm-hmm. we're doing a fiction book, but you still have to find your purpose and think about your audience because that's going to control a lot of the content. That's going to dictate a lot of the content for the book. So once you understand the purpose of it, that's the first thing. So, Awesome. Um, so quick question. What should people look for when they're going to the Facebook groups? So if you're looking at if you're doing a nonfiction book, for instance, mm-hmm. so most I work with some fiction authors, but more nonfiction authors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So first, look for like I said, problems that people are having. So what are mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that people are having, and what are they talking about? Often you can look for topics within a group, and what what topics are getting the most comments. And then you can start just looking and seeing what people are saying. And if you know the answers to that, or today with the research we can do online, super easy to go research to specific topics to include in the book. Um, another one that's really easy to do is go to Amazon and look at books within your niche and what you're focusing on. Look at the comments that people are having there also. Uh-huh. We can look inside of a book on Amazon and look at the chapters and see what books are at the top of Amazon and why. Awesome. So what, when you do a search, what books come up? And there's a reason why that book is there on the front. And mm-hmm. so then we can look inside the book, start looking at chapters, and there's specific topics there. So if it's a topic within a book mm-hmm. that is at the top of Amazon and you want to write a, ch- you want to write a book about a chapter within that book, right? Right. That's a good way to go to. So. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm curious with somebody is, um, you mentioned about finding a Facebook group. Um, if they have a, like, say for instance, somebody's writing a book about, um, trying to think of a good nonfiction topic. <laughs> um, somebody's writing about, uh, how to grow a garden. Love it. Love okay. it, love it, love it. <laughs> so how would they get started? How would they dig in? <laughs> so, so Google is a good friend. You can start with Google, right? Or we can, or I normally like to start with Amazon because Amazon, the difference between Amazon, Google, and Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's the main difference? They, they're all return searches. They'll all tell you what people are searching for. Right. But with Amazon, you can search, start there and, and Amazon's going to tell you what people are buying. So the books are buying. So you're starting with buying data versus regular search data. So if we go to Amazon and we type in garden books, or we can be more specific, like maybe we're trying to grow tomatoes, or maybe we're trying to grow cucumbers, or 
pick your pick your topic, right? Mm-hmm. And then what comes up, and and then the other cool thing about Amazon that Amazon will do is it will list like the top twenty books for you, nice. or or it'll like, rank them in order by sales. And so we click on the very first book in that author page, mm-hmm. and then when we go there on the left hand side, it will tell you other authors that from the like it'll tell you other authors mm-hmm. um, that have purchased. Like it'll rank your authors based off of sales. Okay. So people that have purchased that author's book, it'll uh-huh. tell you the top twelve authors associated with that author. If that makes sense. Yeah. So now you've got twelve authors that you can you can go look and see what books they're writing, and then these are also audiences that you can promote to when you write your own book. So. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so I know uh, Nikita is doing her um, series, and it's fiction right now. How might she um, approach uh, uh, marketing? Because I know she's doing it. So fiction is the same way. You're still you're still doing by genre. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look for other authors that have similar genres what we're writing in. We're going to go to Amazon and do the exact same thing, and we're going to find those 10 to 12 authors that are writing in a similar niche. Because at the very least, we can reach out to them, depending on depending on their audience size and and um, how big of a platform they have. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a minute. Cool. But we can also reach out to them, and maybe they have a newsletter that we can maybe we can partner with them. Maybe there's ways we can we can collaborate and share audiences, or co-author a book together as we build this. So lots of ways to start collaborating. But first, we have to identify who those people are. So awesome. that's the first thing. I have to I, I have to con- confess or admit that I have actually done this practice because you know because um, we love Charles and Charles he always gives us really great nuggets anyway exactly and I started working on um, this series um, I I did that practice of going through Amazon and going through like doing the search the keyword searches to kind of see what books were coming up and at first it seemed like kind of tedious. Uh-huh. Um, but it actually became quite fascinating, you know, going through it because you learn so much about the process. Um, and, I, you know, I'm still in the process of doing that kind of research and I'm still, um, I'm reading the books too because you want to see who's in your lane. And it kind of, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, how some authors might think, crap, that's a lot of work to do just to freaking write a book, you know, but... I think that's what separates the people who say, well, I want to write a book or I want to be a successful author. Um, so thank you, Charles, for sharing these amazing nuggets. Well, thanks, Nikita. The, the key to this is every day, like I've got an Excel spreadsheet that I have on Google Drive. And so every day I'm adding to this list because there's always more people that you can reach out to. And so how can we connect? How can we collaborate? That's always a question. And as your platform grows, and I'll talk about this more, it opens up the door for you to working with more authors. Um, for instance, we'll, we'll talk about more of that in a minute, but it's, it's figuring out who's in your lane, as you said, Nikita. And then there's always new people you can reach out to. There's new magazines. There's new blogs. There's new sites. So um, that's, a, that's one of the other things we can do is we can also go to Facebook. And Facebook has this tool in the ad platform called Audience Insights. And so once we find these authors, we can start plugging them into Audience Insights because then that tells us how big of a Facebook page they have and if they have a presence on Facebook. Lots of advantages for people that have those audiences on Facebook 
because now we can run ads and start building our own audience and we really don't need permission. We can just go do it. And so that's what I love about it because we, we can run ads and then as they, as our list is growing, we can then reach out to people and say, Hey, we ran our ads against your interest. It gives you more data for collaboration, which is ultimately what we're after. So. Oh, that is so fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll continue talking, but this is fantastic. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. guest Charles George from Publish to Thrive and he is our favorite book marketing guru. Yeah. Woohoo. So we had started talking about when you're writing your book, that's when you should start thinking about marketing your book. And now we're going to talk a little bit about okay, start the planning of the marketing once you've done your initial research. Is that right? Yep. Exactly. So once once you know who your audience is and once you've identified other people, once you've identified blogs, like anything that, that has a similar niche, and a good way to think about that is direct competitors and indirect competitors. And so direct competitors are other authors that have written books that are specifically in your niche. Mm-hmm. Indirect competitors are, are other authors or other products or services that are catering to those authors. So ah. is it other tools that they're using? Is it other, um, like if we're doing a podcast, Kim, mm-hmm. it could be the microphone. It could be other things that are that podcasters would use uh-huh. to help them podcast. Those would be indirect competitors. Okay, gotcha. So if we're thinking about those, now once we understand those, like we talked about last time, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. How are we going to start marketing our book? Are there... Are there um, Facebook lives that we could do with these with other authors. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned the Facebook audience insights tools. Could we run Facebook ads to mm-hmm. some of those audiences that authors have already built? So one way to think about this is if we're going to start buying media, we have to think about how are we going to monetize our book. Right. And you and I often talk about the book isn't always what, like we can get book revenue from book sales, but it's not always the primary way we generate revenue, especially from a nonfiction book, it can be speaking, it can be selling an online course, it can be creating a, a group, like a mastermind group, or um, a group coaching program. Like these, are, It could be speaking. These are just some of the ways that you can monetize a book. The book often opens the door for more opportunities for you, and not necessarily the revenue from the book, but it, it creates like the ultimate business card, as you and I like to say. Yes. So... <laughs> And then that opens the door because people perceive you as the expert because you have this book. Exactly. Oh, that's such a good point. I love to call it um, your business card on steroids. You know, it gets you, uh, like you were saying, speaking gigs. It gets you other offers. It it 
also establishes your credibility and shows your uh, demonstrates you are a um, expert in your in your field. Um, and so, yeah, oh, that's fantastic. So, what are some ways? Um, uh, like you were mentioning about some of the tools you were talking about um, using um, uh, Facebook um, audience insights. Um, what are some of the other um, tools if somebody was getting ready to uh, start their, their marketing? Well, one, one thing you can do is start reaching out to some of those authors mm-hmm. and see if they're open to cross-promotion. And when you're first starting out, if you don't have a big audience, mm-hmm. then you're more relying on people to say yes as a favor. And that's okay because they will. But as your audience grows, then you can reciprocate. And so that's why I always like starting with Facebook ads because if you're starting at zero and you you have no media, if you have no Facebook, you have no email list, if, if if you don't have any way you can reciprocate, then we can just start ads. And then as that grows, and then you can reciprocate. And then that allows you to start partnering with more people because it's not just an ask. Right. Now you're coming in at an equal level. Or you're coming in, you've got a bigger audience than some others, and that makes it so much easier. So, Awesome. And um, Nikita, that's reminding me of our um, interview that we had with, um, with Lisa Vino. Yes, absolutely, because she, she talked big about email lists, and it's funny because a lot of the things that, um, that we've learned from, uh, from Lee sounds very, very familiar <laughs> Uh, we're hearing from Charles. Hmm. I wonder why. I, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hinting that Lee is one of uh, Charles's awesome clients. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So absolutely. Lee's one of the ones I've practiced all of these strategies on when she first started. But the power of this, if you look at email across the board, why do I focus on email? Well, right. if you're looking at, if if you're just looking at people in the way we build relationships, right? And the very first stage of this is, can we get to know you, right? So that's just like an introductory stage. Mm -hmm. So if people see a Facebook Live or if they see a Facebook post or they see anything where they're first introduced Uh and it just makes them pause and say, oh, who is this? What is this about? That's the very first introductory phase. Whereas once they opt into an email, now they're more on the evaluation phase. But now we can really start building relationships. We can control it. And if you look at email across the board from all marketing channels, that's the most profitable one. And the reason is because once people are on your list, any other media, it costs for us to stay in touch with our customers. Whereas email, it's it's not free, but it's the lowest it's the lowest um, media as far as staying in touch with people. Once they're on the list, we can email them as often as we like to build that relationship. And so that leads to conversion, which is the third stage. That's when they buy your book. That's when, um, or they're buying your product or your course. And so that's the key is email. It's the most profitable marketing channel. It's why I focus on it. Another tip I'll give you is track your email open rates. I just have a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And so one of the authors we were working with, we got, her list up to 25,000 people, Holy cow. which was awesome. But she had such a good open rate uh-huh. that it allowed us to partner with people that had lists of 50,000 people. Oh, and wow. now all of a sudden she's perceived in a higher level. You know, she's perceived with authors that have more credibility, more have established their brands better. All because we were tracking email open rates and she had like a 47% open rate, which is average is about 20. If you get 20, that's what... MailChimp and get response and a lot of the other ones tell us to do. Yeah. But because she had such a high open rate, we allowed us to go find other lists that were much bigger than hers and then partner with those authors. 
even though her list was half the size because of that open rate, we were, we were able to um, to collaborate, and that that made all the difference. So. Well, that is super cool. So, if I understand correctly, um, it sounds like actually having and building your email list can be more powerful than social media, even. Well, they work hand in hand. So, mm. social media is great for the uh-huh. introductory stage, but the cool thing about email, and we'll talk more about this in the next phase of the building your platform, Mm -hmm. but the two main things you want to do, there's two media that you control online Mm -hmm. and you own, and that's your website. Mm -hmm. So invest heavily on your website Mm. and building you and your brand out. And then the other thing is your email list. Those are the two things you own. Every other media you build, whether it's a podcast audience, whether it's a Facebook channel, like whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. you don't own those media. Mm. You can't control the reach of a Facebook page. Like if you make a post, like, because of their algorithm. Mm-hmm. With email, if you have an email list of a thousand people, there are some contingencies on those thousand emails reaching the inbox. But for the most part, if you send, you know it's going to reach the inbox. So that's why I focus on email. It's the most profitable and we can control it. So if, if your email platform gets shut down for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can still export that list and go import it into another email client and you're back in business again. So. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, so whereas That's if you if with Google or if you lose a Google account or a Facebook account or mm-hmm. um, again it's not something you own or control. It's great to use those platforms to build your own brand. That's what I like to do. I'm like they're great for traffic, they're great for audience, they're great for reach. They're they're but use it to your advantage instead of using it to build their platform. Right. So. Oh I love that. I have a question. Um, it backs up a little bit to what what you were talking about as you were talking about building the platform with the emails and the social media and that was with the partnership and collaboration with other authors that are in your like in your genre. Right. Is there is there a certain number of authors like if as you're trying to kind of build your little your your people, mm-hmm. your list of your people that are like you mm-hmm. that you want to be able to collaborate and share with is there a recommended number of authors? Is there too many that you would want to? Like, how how do you measure or kind of track that? Well, think about this, Nikita. It's relationships we're building. That's the most that's the most valuable asset we have in in life is our relationships. And so, I always look at this as if I'm going to if I'm going to go work with somebody, it really doesn't matter my list size when I'm starting out. If I've got zero. And I've got to run Facebook ads. Like, everybody starts at zero. So it really doesn't matter where your, what size your list is. It's the relationships mm-hmm. that you're building with people. So as we're building these relationships, it, it's if we have six people that we, can, that we can promote on a regular basis together, I think mm-hmm. it's good to always have new people you're promoting with. Because if it's the same six authors that are always cross-promoting, then eventually they'll have a pretty similar list. And it becomes sure. more stagnant. So each author should, like, if you have a core group of authors that you're cross-promoting with and you're building, like, you're promoting their book in your list, they're promoting your book, as that, you should still promote without, you should still build relationships with other authors outside of that six. That way each list is unique. And so I don't think there's a real number as far as we're going to cap it at 20 or we're going to cap it at 25. I think constantly building relationships that's why i keep that list of that excel spreadsheet because i'm always reaching out to people 
how can I add value to them? Like, is there, do I have a platform that I can share with them first? Because so many people come in with the ask, like, how can, how can that person benefit me? We're always like to flip it and say, what can I do to help that person first? Because then people are so much more receptive, you know, reciprocal and receptive to it. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to continue talking. Yay. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. Charles George, isn't this fantastic? That's so awesome. Yay! So, awesome. so we wanted to continue where we left off, talking about um, how building your email audience and having campaigns is like having a relationship. It is, and it's life. So think about the relationships we have in life, and how do we build those? How do we get go from somebody who doesn't know anything about us mm-hmm. to... Um, building lifelong relationships. It's the same thing in business, except online is just an extension of that. Yeah. And so we're still reaching out to people, and it still gives us more opportunities to connect with people. And that's what life's about. It's about connecting. That's in adding value to people's lives. And so as long as we continue to focus on that, um, that's the key. I find that I feel that's the key to life. And so any marketing I do, it's how can I reach more people? How can I build relationships with people? And so we mentioned the three stages, the introduction mm-hmm. stage where they're just starting to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And that could be a social media post. That could be being a guest on a podcast. That could be <laughs> anything that you're doing to access another person's audience. That's kind of the introductory phase. When they come to your site, now we're, that could be the first time. But if, if they sign up for your list, now that's more of the evaluation stage where they're getting to know you. We can send them emails. We can control the relationship better. Versus waiting for them to come to us. And so uh, that's the second phase. And the conversion phase is when they, they become customers of ours. And there's different levels of customers that we could talk about if you want to. But I think focusing on audience building, reaching out to people, how can we partner with people, that's the key. So, oh, it's huge. And um, I wanted to um, uh, chime in on that because you helped me with, uh, you're helping me with growing my audience, um, my email list. And um so I do uh, weekly newsletters. I will be honest, and Charles can attest to this, I fought it tooth and nail. I was like, I don't want to do a weekly newsletter. I'm so glad I did the work because now I get responses from people. I've Because I've built up my audience and because I do a weekly newsletter, I've had people, and I shared with you, who, who said to me, Kim, thank you so much for sharing this information. I look forward to your emails. And this is somebody I've never met before, and I'm like, Oh, you're welcome. So so it is like building a relationship. It's like she knows me, 
quote unquote, because she hears my voice every week. Yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. consistency is key. So really, so newsletters and emails are great. And I almost look at the newsletter as its own product. And there's several reasons for that. One, it is the piece that's building. It is a piece. that's the goodwill that we're sharing information that's valuable. We're sharing information. Can we sell within an email, a newsletter? We can. We can have banner ads. We can have calls to action. But we also are using content, and that's what drives open rates. So if we're looking at email, there's three different ways. There's three different things we have to do. First, mm-hmm. can we prove we can get people on the email list? Mm-hmm. Can we get them to open, and can we get them to click? And so the first part is, can we get them on the list? Mm-hmm. So that's where if we're running Facebook ads or if we're partnering with people, like what can we do to get them on our email list? Right. And then we're selling valuable content. So the key to that is every week, send the newsletter, same day, same time, same place, mm-hmm. because that's that builds credibility. People start to look for it. It's, think of the old the TV sitcoms. They would come on at, at a specific <laughs> day, a specific time every week. And then when this and when they would get changed, then it would create confusion because you would have to go figure out when that your show was on, right? So they were always very careful of when they moved shows, but. But that's the that's the value of a newsletter. You're showing up in the inbox, and people will start looking for your name, and then the subject line is what drives open rates also. But your name in the same do- same time, um, sending it on the same day, same time each week. That is the key. But it's relationship building. You're right. And so, um, I think you even told me the other day you had somebody sign up for one of your retreats that you didn't know. Yes. And that's a much higher price point than normal. So if we think about price points, like if, how can we convert a prospect into a customer? Mm. That becomes like low price point. So if it's buying a book, right, mm-hmm. that could be an introductory product where they're, they're consuming content, they're just getting to know you. But then how can we take them down the customer journey to a higher level customer as far as a first-time customer, a multi-buyer customer, all the way up to a loyal customer advocate? Awesome. So higher price point products like somebody that jumped into a retreat like mm-hmm. that's a much higher price point product but it's still a value of sending that relation you're building that relationship you're seeing that newsletter every single week and they're getting to know you and then the trust is what builds the credibility it's the trust that we're working on building that's what we really want so oh that's awesome and nikita i think that's going to apply well for you also as your um monopoly series comes out oh absolutely absolutely so, yeah, she's uh, uh, written her first one, um, and it's, uh, um, um, well, t- tell us more, Nikita. You you talk to this. This is your area. <laughs> about, about the series and uh, what it's about? Um, but, yeah, how you're planning to um, uh, uh, um, uh, put each one out, I guess. Um, well, the, the first one is really kind of, I really kind of see Lexi's Cherry as a prequel, so I've kind of written it as a a, a book magnet as mm-hmm. to use as a tool for exactly the things that Charles is talking about um, to help grow the list. Um, I'm looking at, you know, I'm sharing some free copies, um, trying to swap with other authors, um, and, um, like, there is a, there's a um, company I found out about through a book I read called, Pro, I think it's called Prolific, Hmm. And they you, allows you to share with other. You can do like it's kind of similar to a swap, um, like a newsletter swap, Charles. Mm-hmm. But basically, I was able to throw in my book with a whole bunch of other authors, oh. and 
and everyone's promoted to their own um, list. Um, so it's kind of it's exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about um, to be able to start growing. Um, but you know, my intention is to do that, and and Lexi's Cherry is 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 built to it's like a little puzzle. Every piece is building on the other. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to hook that first, you know, those first readers. And then my strategy in putting out books as frequently as I, as I am is to continue to nurture and build the audience. Um, because I want people to be excited about the next book that's coming out. And I want to build, I want to answer that anticipation by putting it out in a timely manner. So one thing I will say, Nikita, what's different about today versus book launches of the past with in the mm -hmm. past the publisher would get behind a book launch and they would invest money in the launch so would the author um, from speaking book signings like all these different things they would do for publicity uh, think of your late night talk shows right like some of the, the authors and the celebrities that can get on late night talk shows that promote a book right like that still happens like all those all that publicity is all good but the difference today is because of the online audiences we can build, often it starts off small, like everybody has to start at zero. Mm -hmm. But as we build that audience, what happens is then previous books, like you're talking about writing in a series, giving away the mm -hmm. first novella is a great strategy because that leads to the next one. So as we're creating our content, you're saying you're writing a series of books. So what happens is as you come out with number five, your audience is growing. There's people that may not have read book one now all of a sudden you get your back sale catalogs. Whereas traditionally in the old days, once they promoted the book, the, once they stopped, the sales would drop off. Whereas today, because of the audiences that we can build, like the readership continuously goes up. So people mm -hmm. like, so you start small, but then you continually build. So even if it's an online course, the first time you release it, there you'll have X number of people that go through it, but then a year from now, you've had the opportunity to get feedback, you can improve the course, your audience has grown, so more and more people can go through. So anyway, that's the biggest difference of today versus 20 years ago when they were, when publishers would promote a book, so. Makes sense. Very cool. That's <laughs> awesome. So, um, so what would you recommend in our last minute um, to uh, somebody who is writing a book and, and wanting to get started? They're at zero. So first of all, plan your book, as we talked about. Just mm -hmm. research other authors that you can partner with. Um, build your own site. So you can, like, even if it's a simple site, just have something that you can build. I recommend WordPress sites because, again, it's a platform you can control versus other you have on your site on another platform. Uh, it might taste a little bit more to invest, but focus on your research, focus on building your, your website, and focus on building your email list. The two things that you can control. So. Awesome. Oh, my Great. gosh. Thank you so much, Charles. You're welcome. Thanks. So Hello. if you guys want, I've got a report on my website. Yes. If you just go to publishthethrive.com forward slash 101, I've got a report, and it's 101 ways that you can build an email list. And I've got about 50 different ways that you can build a list for free. I've got social media ways. I've got um, paid media buys that you can do. So it's everything, every way I could think of to build an email list I put in that report. So that's a way you can get it totally free. So uh, if you're interested in building your email list, that's a resource that you can access. So. Awesome. Thank you. And you guys, Nikita and I can attest that Charles is the real deal. So download it today. <laughs> Hey, thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me. I have enjoyed this immensely. Oh, and so, awesome. Um, well, thank you.
It's always a pleasure to see both of you. Oh, so. you too, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you, Charles. And now it's time for Gregarious Goofballs. All right, it is time now for Gregarious Goofballs. <laughs> so what do you have to share with us this week, Nikita? Well, you know, I just had this, this, this flashback of when I was in college, and it's funny because with me being in Atlanta now, um, I hadn't thought about it in a while, uh-huh. but my mom, my mom lived here when I was in college, and I think it was the first time um, that I flew home uh-huh. to visit her and I'd never flown Atlanta's like one of the biggest airports in the freaking country Holy huge cow. No and kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'd never I've never flown into a big airport like that before uh-huh. alone and um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and so I, I fly into Atlanta and I'm completely overwhelmed <gasps> like the airport is so huge and so I get off, and if you've ever flown through Atlanta, you know the only way to get anywhere is you have to take the little train. You have the to take the little train, inevitably. I used to take the train because I thought I was going to get lost. Uh-huh. So I kept walking. Like, oh, it, no. If you look at the train, just like, just, <laughs> well, it'll take you forever and a day to get anywhere in the Atlanta airport. If you walk. And so I'm walking, and I feel like I'm getting lost. And I think this is before before everybody had cell phones. So I'm freaking out. I'm crying. <laughs> oh, and, no. <laughs> and so, someone just told me, just get on the train. And I broke, by the time I got to my mom, my mom's in bag, and I was like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, my God, mom. Oh. <laughs> 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 I'm embarrassing now, like, girl, just get on the train. But I just... to Atlanta and we have a connecting flight inevitably we end up at a gate that is the furthest one possibly away from the connecting flight so it's always like this mad dash and it's like we gotta get the train (laughs) (laughs) so bad yes we are the running people we are the sweaty running people who look very anxious goofball is about zoom and here recently in corona land we've been using zoom all the time for meetings which sometimes is great because you can't connect with people in person and so we still do networking meetings so i do a ton of networking meetings so i'm like okay hot dang we're doing it on zoom so yeah i'm used to i've been using zoom for years to meet with clients and i don't generally get dressed up for zoom so go to this one particular um, networking meeting. I had not been to this network before, and I get online. I'm, I had washed my hair because my hair was still wet. I had no makeup on. Every blooming person on this call, and it was all ladies, were dressed to the nines. Like they had pearls on. 
their hair was done. They looked flawless. And normally, I don't care if I go outside without makeup on, but there with everybody else on the screen, it was like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> it was pretty obvious, like, who rolled out of bed this morning and <laughs> forgot to put on makeup? So then the next day, the next day, we had another Zoom call, but it was a different network. So I'm like, I know my lesson. So I got up early. I dressed. I put on makeup. I, I even had pearls on. And get to the Zoom call, and it's a webinar. And I don't know if you've been to a Zoom webinar, but that means the only person yep. you see is the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I was hot. Nobody could see me. I was mad. I thought about just taking a selfie and posting it to the Zoom call to be like, I got dressed for this. I was mad. I'm like, dang it. So, yeah. So, lesson learned. Ask if it's a webinar before you Zoom. The written word is powerful. If one photo is worth a thousand words, can you imagine the value and power of putting those words to video? Power Up Video works with authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to help you bring your powerful message to life online. Creating story-driven promotional reels, book trailers, educational course content, and much more. Power up your message with video from Power Up Video. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and at PowerUpVideo.com. Oh my God, Nikita, today's episode with Charles George was fantastic. It was so power-packed. I, I told him, he's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. He really is. Oh my gosh, he's the, the, the book. He's the book on how to market your book. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But Absolutely. so much good information and um, talking about making sure that you think about your marketing while you're writing your book. Don't wait to have your book out to do it. Um, Absolutely. And doing your planning, having a smart strategy. And I love the part about creating a relationship through email. Yes, absolutely. Like the, the, two, the two things that he really emphasized is the most important when you're, when you're growing um, is the email listing your website because those are two things that you own um, and you really want to capitalize on that. Absolutely. So I thought that was really, um, really, um, really great, a great nugget to take away. Absolutely. In total agreement. So you guys go to our show notes and we will have um, Charles's website and information so you can reach out to him and find out more. And um, thanks so much for listening to Sociable Scribes today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Sociable Scribes podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week to learn more amazing tips on writing and publishing. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend.